Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is 100% free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. On tonight's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the rumor that Mark Shifley might be on the trade block. Yes, that actually is a thing, according to Frank Saravalli. Um, I'm not sure if it's definite yet, but the fact that a mainstream media source is actually saying this is a little bit surprising. So we'll go into whether or not this is actually a good or a bad thing, and then we'll talk about Winnipeg versus Minnesota, which is actually currently heading into the third period in just a little bit. Mark Shifley on the trade block, the Jets versus the Wild, all this and so much more on tonight's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast coming to you in just a moment. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Evening, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Uh, We have quite an interesting schedule of of topics for tonight's show. We're going to talk about the Jets versus the Wild, but the first order of business that I thought would be worth mentioning is the rumor that Mark Shifley might be uh, on his way out at the end of the season. According to Frank Saravalli um, on his podcast, Mark Shifley apparently is being rumored as as somebody the Jets may be looking to to move on after the season ends. Now, for a lot of folks, I think this would be surprising, especially those who live outside Winnipeg, but anyone who is a Jets fan and has been watching this team over the last couple of years, I, I think we've identified some trends with Mark that, quite honestly, you know, as a Jets fan, I find very disappointing. The defensive effort hasn't really been there. Um, The offensive effort has been a bit lackluster at times. He can still score a ton of goals and and be a very potent creator, but it's just like, if he's not motivated to put 100% in, what are you getting out of Mark? And I think that that has been one of the biggest questions with him over the past couple of years. This season, he's kind of been at like an all-time low. I I feel like he's been just sort of a a passenger more often than not, which is A weird thing to say about Mark, because usually when he's at his best, he's in the driver's seat, especially as one of Winnipeg's top offensive creators. He's still got the vision. He's still got the amazing shooting. There's a lot in his game that I think is is very desirable, but the stuff that's kind of holding him back, it makes you question whether or not his future is really with this team. Now, I think regardless of what he does the rest of the year, I'd probably still look to move him to another squad, in part because I just feel like At the age of 28, with his contract being the way it is, and Shifley kind of at a stage of his career where he's probably going to start winding down out of his prime, you're looking at a guy who's just not going to be, you know, more than likely a a major part of Winnipeg's future core. He was there for one of the most pivotal moments of this team's recent history, but after that, you know, the Jets have kind of fallen off. And so in some ways, moving him is less a problem with him more so than it is a problem with the team's construction and where it is at this stage of the roster life cycle. 
he's more of like a victim of this team just not really being good enough and him needing to move to a team where he can be a more meaningful contributor. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't bear responsibility in his own performance. I think absolutely he should be, you know, questioned about some of the efforts that he's put out there. His body language at times, especially during press conferences, it hasn't really struck me that he's super happy. And in many ways, I can kind of see why. I mean, you look at this team and over Shifley's most productive years, the Jets were seldom really strong contenders. Maybe they'd make the playoffs a couple of times, right? But in terms of actually being a dominant force, the Jets were only really, really, really good one season under Shifley's best, most productive seasons. And so in the wake of that, it doesn't shock me that over the past couple of years, he doesn't really seem to be giving it 100%. I would probably not feel all that differently from him if I watched the Jets management time after time not really improve the roster when there's ample opportunity to get this team to a stage where they can actually be playoff competitive and also capable of making some kind of a run. They only just made adjustments to the defense this season, and it kind of came a bit too late, unfortunately. I think Dylan and Schmidt really haven't had the level of impact that Jets fans were hoping for. So, you know, looking at Shifley's situation, what his contract looks like going forward, and the fact that I, I don't know if I would really be hot to trot to resign him long-term on his next deal, I think it'd be more beneficial for both parties to kind of go their separate ways. Uh, you know, Mark is still going to command a pretty hefty sum on the trade market, you're talking about a guy who's still a top six forward, regardless of a lot of the defensive woes. And I, I think if you actually put him in a more supportive environment, a team where he's actually happy, Mark's going to start lighting it up. I really don't have any doubt about that. Shifley's, you know, vision and, and shooting and, and passing, all of this stuff remains elite. He's got the edge work. He's got the um, spatial awareness and, def, you know, offensive IQ to really be a difference maker out there. So, in that respect, I, I don't think he's really going to have any issues transitioning to another team. And I, I also actually think his two-way game would probably improve too. If he feels like he's being pushed to be that stronger player and that he is expected to be the number one C and has, you know, actual consequences for not living up to that, maybe his behavior will change. I just feel like unless he leaves Winnipeg, we're not really going to see that out of him. So, for all these reasons, and for the value proposition that his contract will offer a team that's really looking for a high-end center and has the assets to make this deal, I think the Jets would actually be wise to put him on the block and see if they can get a quality offer. If there's nothing out there that really makes sense, don't force it. You know, Shifley will still be productive for the Jets, but if there's a chance to start your rebuild early and look at trading some of the guys who are 28, 29, and, and probably not part of this team's longer-term future, this would be the most opportune time to make that move, especially in the upcoming summer. The Jets are already going to have to cut bait with a number of free agents at the trade deadline, and so for the Jets, this is the time to start evaluating uh, some of their bigger players and see who they want to keep around. If they want to keep Shifley, it is what it is. I can understand the reasoning, and I think that there's an argument for doing so, but if he, if he stays, he's just going to have to be better. And we'll see if that, you know, is a trend that he shows throughout the season. Past couple of games, he's been scoring a lot more, even if he still doesn't back check. So if he can be a more regular offensive contributor, that's the kind of stuff we would want to see, especially if he's hanging around or, well, honestly, even if he's on the trade block. Anything to pump up that trade value would be ideal. Speaking of pumping up that trade block value, um, of course, the Jets are looking to pump up their playoff stock and maybe some of the free agent uh, trading block bait. 
with a game against the Minnesota Wild, which has already gone through a couple of periods. We'll check in on the first and second halves of this game in just a little bit and talk about what actually occurred and what it might mean for, you know, the Jets as they near the trade deadline. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about BetOnline.net and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs. Football might be over, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this upcoming playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not into football? No problem. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. They've even got great lines for all of you Winnipeg Jets fans. From player points totals to award winners and more. Want to bet on Hellebuck winning another Vesna trophy? Log into BetOnline.net right now and place your bet. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. To get started, register for a free account with BetOnline.net right now. Start winning today because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. Also, make sure to check out Olympic Hockey Daily, presented by Locked on NHL, a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it on the Locked on NHL podcast feed. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite media, so as always, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. Now on to some musings about the Jets versus the Minnesota Wild, and what a game it was, although only for half of it. The first half was kind of a disaster, let's be honest. The Jets came out strong in the first five minutes of the game. I thought Winnipeg looked fast, they were aggressive, um, they were attacking the slot pretty frequently. The counters and vibes looked good, generally speaking. I mean, the Jets were very much up to the task, and it felt like You know, maybe this was going to be a game like previous Minnesota games where the Jets were actually pretty darn decent and maybe even better than the Wild. For some reason, Winnipeg has managed to get the better of the Wild over the past couple of matchups. I don't know why it is that this happens because on paper, Minnesota really is a more structurally sound, more uh, disciplined, and and more well-rounded team. Now, I don't mean disciplined in terms of like taking penalties and being dirty. You know, the Wild do take some very physical, uh, shall we say, liberties with their opponents. And I think in tonight's game, with how the lineup was, the Jets were sort of anticipating that. Um, Dave Lowry benched Vili Heinola and Yevgeny Zvechnikov for Austin Pagansky and Logan Stanley. Neither of these guys I really felt were uh, particularly impressive, to be honest. Pagansky's whatever. Um, he, he fills a, a role, I guess. And Stanley is just kind of Logan Stanley. It kind of seemed like the decision to have those guys in over some of the other more skilled players was going to backfire because, you know, the the Wild ended up scoring first after a very brief, almost chaotic sequence down low. They had two D passing to each other, and then the second D, I think it might have been Brodeen or something, I don't know if he was like trying to pass or shoot or something, but he sent the puck on a cross slot, uh, low to high pass on the left side, and Joel Eriksson-Eck was tied up with somebody and actually kind of stumbling and falling towards the net after getting cross-checked, and the puck just sort of lasered off of him and passed Hellebuck for the one nothing Minnesota lead. That was kind of like a, a bit of a surprise, but after that, Minnesota started taking over the game, and it you know was very, very rough for the Jets. Defensively, Winnipeg was a mess. Uh, They really struggled to exit the zone cleanly. And that whole thing of what Heinola does best, which is cycling the puck rapidly, 
making sure that the first pass is super accurate so you can better lead breakout exits and zone clearances. All of that stuff just was severely lacking, and the Jets got hemmed in for multiple stretches at a time, sometimes spending a shift on the ice for like two minutes. So it wasn't great. Uh, and somehow the Jets, probably thanks to Connor Hellebuck standing pretty tall in net, only were down one nothing for at least the first several minutes. But the level of play on the ice for me was just unacceptable. And it's it's one of those things that continues to be an issue with this team. When they concede a bit of a fluky goal, sometimes the Jets just kind of fall apart. And they spend, you know, maybe five, ten minutes where they don't really seem to know, you know, what exactly is going on. And they don't really have a way to get themselves out of a bad rut. So, yeah, the Jets, it's a strange thing. It's been a problem this year. It was a problem again tonight. And I was worried that it would kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. Um, it's not like a slow start has been completely unwinnable for the Jets. But if you're playing against the Wild, you're desperate for two points. You just can't come out looking like, you know, a soda that's been sitting for way too long and is just super flat. I mean, the Jets need to have pep in their step. They need to be willing to recover from mistakes. And I just feel like mentally the guys haven't really been there. And I think... The, the sustained losses, the kind of frustrating nature of feeling like you're chasing a vacant playoff spot that you're never going to achieve, uh, and ultimately just the malaise of the season kind of setting in has really put the Jets players in a rough mental state, to be honest. I mean, the guys look weirdly tired, even though they've had more rest than a lot of the rest of the league. And so for the Jets, I, I just sort of wonder, all of these mistakes and things that have built up over the year what is it going to result in? Because this is like the pivotal stretch that determines ultimately the fate of the season. And for them to be consistently inconsistent is kind of an issue. I say all of this because the first half was a very different feeling than the second half of this game, where the Jets very much clawed back and were like a totally different squad. Once they let guys start to skate and make really quick rapid passes in between Minnesota's defenders, the Jets were like a team reborn. I mean, we've seen Winnipeg play genuinely good hockey at times this season. It's just that for whatever reason, we don't really get it for more than like one or two games at a time before the Jets then kind of revert to like really bad habits. We'll talk about what exactly changed in the second half and how it impacted the player performances as well as whether or not it's something we can expect to continue. I think you already probably have a, a good feeling about my answer on this, but maybe some things aren't nearly as dire as they seem. We'll talk about all of that in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's Locked On Jets podcast. We are uh, finishing our recap of Winnipeg versus Minnesota. This was an interesting game in which the Jets kind of played two very different hockey games in the same evening. Won't lie, the first half was pretty dreadful. Uh, but then the second half occurred, and something seemed to click with the Jets. It all kind of started with a Mark Shifley goal. That was courtesy of a vintage Blake Wheeler pass to Mark Shifley on the doorstep. This one, Wheeler actually came from uh, the left side of the net and was kind of hovering around the back end and somehow saw between a couple of defenders, Mark Shifley completely unmarked on the short side, hit him with a great cross lot pass, Shifley did not miss, and just like that, the game was tied. From that point on, the Jets started to wake up a little bit. They still definitely conceded some really nasty counters to Minnesota. But compared to earlier in the game when the Jets were just getting their teeth kicked in, it was a much better effort and something that I think Winnipeg would be pleased with. After that, the floodgates started to open and Winnipeg just started scoring and frankly could not stop scoring. 
Shifley had a hat trick. Uh, Cole Perfetti actually deflected a shot on goal for, I believe, his second of the season. Stastny had an empty netter. All around it was just a pretty nice performance, and uh, you really can't complain too, too much about the second half. In general, I think the Jets were more aggressive. The passing was crisper. Uh, the movement in and around the crease was better. The Jets did get a bit fortunate on a couple of deflections here and there, but overall I just felt like, at least offensively, the Jets were more creative, and it's the kind of passing and stuff against Minnesota's defense that really undressed them and put Cam Talbot in a bad position. I, I didn't think Talbot was amazing either. He had a couple of greasier goals, um, but one of them, like the Kyle O'Connor one, there's not a whole lot that you can do if KFC is in alone on a breakaway. Perfetti spied him from like the neutral zone and hit him with a perfect pass, catching Connor right in stride as Kyle was on the way into the offensive zone. KFC just sort of did what KFC does, uh, snuck it right between Cam Talbot's pads. And just like that, you know, the Jets added yet another marker and, you know, it's a really well-rounded effort. Uh, but I think the biggest question is, you know, which team are we getting for the rest of the year? It's a question that I've asked a lot over the past couple of weeks because, to be honest, I don't really know. The Jets have this weird tendency of playing pretty okay hockey against some really strong teams, but then against some weaker opponents, they just sort of fall really flat. To be honest, though, I think under the surface, things aren't really that ideal. Even in a, in a game in which they won 6-3 to against the Wild, you could still see quite a few cracks showing. Uh, the defense was pretty rough. Stanley Schmidt was a disaster. Um, Dylan Pionk was not very good. Morrissey DeMello was fine enough. I thought that that pairing did just enough to kind of stay afloat and keep things pretty stable. Um, but aside from that, like the fourth line got obliterated. The third line was just sort of present. Christian Reichel, I thought, had a solid game. You know, Christian has been a guy that I've been wanting to see more of over the past couple of uh, seasons. But of course, for some reason, he just never really got a look with the Jets until this year. And I think Reichel can actually play a nice fourth line role maybe offer a little bit of defensive support. You know, he's not going to be a high-end scorer or anything, but he does have the technical skill to occasionally create a nice scoring opportunity. He had one that was on the doorstep today, just barely got saved. So I like him in the right role, which is, again, as a depth player, maybe somebody who could be potentially a penalty killer down the road. Um, but, you know, the rest of the lineup was a little bit hit or miss. Uh, the top six had moments of brilliance, followed by some really ugly shifts where they spent, like, what would probably be equivalent to like two to three shifts in the defensive zone. And, you know, obviously they got lucky that they didn't really surrender much on these opportunities. But against a faster, more skilled team like Colorado, that stuff is going to result in a goal very quickly. So the Jets, it's just a mixed bag. I think Winnipeg is going to be hovering around the 500 mark for the rest of the year. And I just don't really see them winning enough games consecutively to actually claw above that. I think Winnipeg is... At best, an average to like middle of the pack team, like maybe you know maybe above average in some categories, but the the sum total is very average to at times below average when you're dealing with maybe an injury or two. The Jets' offense is certainly still potent enough to really put a hurt on opposing squads. I mean, their firepower is still very notable in the top six, but you start rolling down the lines, and that definitely tails off very quickly. The defense hasn't really been ideal. And uh, Connor Hellebuck hasn't really saved as many opportunities as we're used to. I, I thought tonight's game he was pretty good. Uh, he had some really difficult chances against that he had to deal with. Um, some of it was a you know some of it was definitely of his own making. 
he played the puck multiple times, and on a number of those chances, it almost really bit him. I mean, one of them was basically a gaping wide open net that somehow he barely managed to save by sprawling across after a really ill-advised turnover behind the net. So it'd be nice if he could stop doing that. He did it like four times tonight, but overall, I mean, in terms of his performance in net, it was still pretty okay. Just a, a couple of really ugly turnovers that Minnesota got close to punishing. Other than that, though, you know, it, it was a win. Um, that that much is for sure, but maybe a bit of an ugly one. You know, aside from like Shifley hitting a hat trick and stuff, it just felt like the Jets were good in certain categories, but not particularly great when you look at the broader picture and realize that the Jets also played, you know, a couple of other periods that were pretty pretty terrible overall. My advice is go into this uh, stretch of the season not really expecting much. Just enjoy it when some of the players do something cool and, you know, be prepared for the trade deadline in the summer. It's going to be probably a bit of a bloodletting for the Jets. And hopefully, you know, the, the guys can find some happier places to play if Winnipeg is not going to be their home um, come either the trade deadline or afterwards. And uh, I hope the Jets can recruit some really top-end talent and refill the, the prospect pool for the future. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this game and what you feel about the season so far. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Make your second listen Locked On Bets, your one-stop shop for all things betting, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis from Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe today. And as always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!